0: We're in a time that God wants to give us fresh weapons for our current assignment. I believe 2019 is going to be a year for every one of you individually that's going to put you and position you and proster you for greater breakthrough than you've ever witnessed or experienced before. If you have God's word, go with me to Judges chapter 15. And we're going to look at the scripture, begin with the scripture 15. I'm going to read to you about five scriptures, and we're going to go back and take this apart. And I've asked Holy Spirit to help me me, uh, release to you the truth that he's given me so that it can become truth that will make you free and equip you and empower you for the future. But it says there, Samson found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. Everybody say fresh jawbone. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but if it was a fresh jawbone, it's not been salted down. It's not been laid out there to dry out in the sun. It means it probably had a little meat still attached to it. It probably had some blood on it. It was not just a weapon of choice, if you can understand what I'm saying. But he said he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and he reached out his hand, and he took it. Everybody say, took it. Listen. It, that word took there in the Hebrew is also the same Hebrew word for receive. You know, to receive something from God, you got to take hold of it. And we have moved into a passivity in the body of Christ to where people don't want to take hold, are you hearing me, of what God, they just want it to come up on them and overtake them and them not have to do anything with it. It's a time to take inventory. In the book of Revelation, <coughs> chapter 2 I think verse 17 it says hold fast to that which you have I love the Greek language I, I you know I wish I was who Dutch sheets is in it but I have a computer that helped me a lot and that word hold fast to what you have is actually it's out of a business language in the Greek you know there's business language in the Greek there's Uh, athletic languages, there's uh, uh, nautical languages like forerunner is a nautical word. And this actually means if we would render it down today, it means take inventory of that which you have. And I've preached out of this many times over the year, but how many of you at home have a closet or a drawer that's a catch-all closet or a catch-all drawer? Everything's in there. You know, I mean, there's, you know, in our catch-all drawer, there's 14 flashlights and six pocket knives, okay? There's box cutters. There's everything that there. My point to you is this. Every once in a while, I go to that drawer, and I look through there, and, oh, there's that magnifying glass. I haven't seen it. I take inventory of what's in that drawer. And God is warning us in this hour to take inventory of what we have but he's also wanting us to take inventory of what he's about to release. You know, we need to look into the future. Can you say amen? So he, it says he reached out his hand, he took it, and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps. He's speaking about people, heaps upon heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've slain a thousand men. And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand. Everybody say threw the jawbone. That's going to become very crucial in this message today. And he called the place Ramaliyah, and that that just simply it means the the heel of the jawbone or jawbone heel. Is all that that means. Then he became very thirsty. Everybody say, look to your neighbor and say, are you thirsty? thirsty? I want to share something with you. I'm sharing it as the father of this house. And if you're easily offended, uh, you uh, will be. I, I'm not doing this to intentionally offend you. I'm doing this to get to so you can take inventory of something. How many of you heard about Saturday night Uh, live, is it called, Uh, making and monking uh, our veteran who has a patch over his eye with that. I don't know if you've seen his response. Someone wrote him and said, I'm sorry they offended you. And he wrote back and said, they in no way offended me. I'm a Marine, and we are unoffendable. I want a few good men and women in this house that will grow into a place that you can't be offended. Okay, but what I want to tell you is that the hunger in this house is not at the place that God wants to draw you into. Susan and I just experienced, I can't remember if I've shared this, but the last of September we were in a church. Yes, I was there. Yes, it was revival meetings, but there was more than that. There was a hunger that we've not seen in 25 years on this continent some people showed up two and a half hours plus before the service started. And everybody, most of the church showed up an hour before, and an hour before the worship team took the stage or the worship team began to worship, they began to worship. Without music, without instrument, they began to pray, and there was a hunger. I could read you the email, but I'm going to do the short version of it, of of things that took place. We saw in one night, without laying hands on one person, over 30 creative miracles. Over 30. Listen, I've been saying for years, revival doesn't start with prayer. It starts with those who become hungry and begin to pray. There's always a hunger that precedes anything that God does, and we've got to move into that place of hunger. You need to take inventory and see where your hunger is at. Begin to prophesy to a young lady in that church. The prophecy was pretty long. In fact, I came and did this right in front of her. I mean, she's up in the, you know, up in that where we were. It was kind of a mountainous area, and I asked her, I said, Uh, what do you do? And she said, I work on a rice farm. Now, I mean, she was petite. She was blonde. She was pretty. Uh, I didn't imagine someone looking like her, a female, working on a rice farm. I've worked on rice farms. That's not easy work, amen? In fact, when we worked on the rice farm, we had to put rocks in our pockets so the mosquitoes wouldn't pick us up and carry us off. A little bit of exaggeration there but while I was prophesying to her unknowing to me there was a man sitting behind her that was scheduled to have the implants in his ears what's it called? yeah anyway he was set to have it I didn't know this in fact he didn't even come forward to his pastor for two weeks after because number one he had just got born again he'd been a a non-born-again, non-practicing Catholic all of his life. And he came and visited. This church also, let me set you up. They began in January to ask God in a town of 4,000 for 1,000 first-time salvations. They took the limit off. And they, as they prayed for that, they've had about 90 now this year. That's not a 1,000, but I want to tell you that's a lot closer than most churches have got this year. So anyway, he came to see the pastor, and he said, you know, I'm scheduled to go either to Mayo or John Hopkins, one of the big hospitals, have these implants put in. They tell me it would help me, but I don't have no need of it. said, when that man was prophesying or what? actually, he said, when that man was doing whatever he did, when he was speaking to that young woman in front of me, my ears popped open. He said... He said, my ear, I mean, basically what has happened, a creative miracle took place because during worship now he has to wear earplugs in his ear so it won't hurt his ears. His ears are like baby ears. a, a, a Toddler's ears, they're sensitive. And it was told, he's been back to the doctor and the doctors can't explain it. <laughs> Amen. I, I believe Dr, Dr. Jesus, the great physician, can try to explain it. Are you hearing me? He wasn't prayed for. Let me just tell you, the hunger of everyone. He told his pastor, he told the pastor, not his pastor, he just He told the pastor there, he said, I don't believe in healing. I wasn't about to let nobody pray for me. If he didn't want to pray for me, I wasn't open to it because God doesn't heal. No, he probably said, I didn't believe God healed because he can't say God doesn't heal now. One of the nights, I just made a small little detour, just felt something in my spirit, and I began to talk about Freemasonry. And I even said my father had been a 33rd degree. And when he got born again, and I talked to him about it, and I said, Dad, you were a 33rd degree. Do you remember saying a Luciferian prayer? And he said, Yes, son. I said, That's to Lucifer. And my dad said, Oh, my God. And he denounced it and he, you know, put it under the blood and he did. And for some reason that night, I I mentioned it. And unbeknown to the pastor, a couple had heard about the revival, had driven there and the man was a 33rd degree Mason. His wife says that every time anyone had ever said something against Freemasonry, he storms out of the church and makes a scene. But he sat there that night and he listened. And he went home. Not, didn't even tell his wife and begin to dig himself. And he found out he'd been deceived. And he denounced it. And even when he was denouncing it on his own, he demonically manifested. And when his wife called the pastor, and this is what she said. We've been married 20 years, and I just got a brand new husband. He's totally changed. I want to tell you, hunger is not something we can do. We can't bring in the right speaker to make you hungry. We can't. We can't do it. Hunger begins in a personal place, and hunger begins with you going before the Lord and crying out to, to Him for a touch like you've never had before. Not just a touch of healing. You know, one of the prayers that I I, I pray not because I'm praying, but I do. I said, Lord, I don't ever want to get to where I'm not hungry. You know, we left Friday morning and drove to Nashville and was in the service and drove back and had dinner here Friday night, and, and, and I guess I'm doing an advertisement, but we finally got to eat at the Wolf River Brisket Company, and it's good. I have to tell you, I recommend it. We were, we were very impressed. And so anyway, someone, Debbie Smith, in fact, saw that we said, boy, you made a quick trip, and I just told her, I said, I live in Fast Forward. And, and I do. And there's a grace for that. But my point that I want to get across to you is the fact that, that Samson is a role model for what's ahead. There's some things to be slain this next year. But let me go on and finish reading this. He became so thirsty, he cried out to the Lord and said, You've given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So God, everybody say, so God. God. God split the hollow place that is in Lehi. And the water came out, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore, he called this place in Hakor, which leads to Lehi to this day, which is in Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistine. That in Hekor actually means the well or fountain. Listen to this the well, a fountain of one crying aloud. Let me tell you, people who are hungry for God cry aloud to God. But sadly, in our nation, we've become, even in the church, we've become antichrist and godless because we've moved into a place that we don't have the need to cry out to God. And many people end up in a place their prayer goes to another level when a hardship comes or an attack comes. Attacks are going to come. Amen? Things are going to happen that work in your plans. Am I making sense to you? But you're going to have to realize that in that, God has a plan he wants to work. Now, I want to go back and just take this apart and help you understand how that your, your victory can be far more effective this next year. Amen? Can I Can I just tell you, uh, Can I, I want to start with asking a question. Is it not true that God is a greater giver than we are? Yes, 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 yes. Is it not true that a kingdom principle is seed time and harvest, and harvest is always greater than the seed you put in the ground? Yes. You plant one seed, you reap many seeds. There's lean years, there's... There's abundant years, but you still reap more. So let me show something with you. Here's the first thing you need to do. Get off of your own stuff and focus on somebody else's. Because God will raise up other people. He will raise up other people that will come in and begin to pray for you. He always gives back more. I remember back in the 90s, our family, uh, you know, we needed a place. We didn't have a house. That big enough. We were pioneering a church, and and we were starting to desire. God was placing a desire in our heart to get us a, a home, not just a house to, to, to live in. And I remember we came into some knowledge that a pastor named Zach Strong and a pastor named Trees both needed and were believing for houses to buy. And soon then I fasted, we prayed, we decreed, we declared for them. And can I tell you this, we got our house first. God moved. We didn't have a penny. We had about a $500 overdraft on our checking account where we go $500 over. And we took and put $250 down on a house. And the lady told me, I don't know how many times, Reverend Nash, Pastor Nash, don't get your hopes up. This is just not going to work. Are you hearing me? And I kept telling her, I said, I've heard from God. Keep working it. It's going to work. And I can tell you where I was. I was in Farmington, New Mexico with about a 100 youth. We were traveling at that time, and she called and said, you're not going to believe this. And I said, yes, I do. I've been praying for it. I've heard from God. She said, "We got you financed at six and a half percent interest, which in that back in the nineties that was good, uh, you know. With it, and it wasn't that we had bad credit. We had did everything for years since we sold out of the truck company with no credit cards and and no loans, so there was no we had no credit, and that penalizes you as much as having bad credit. Are you hearing me? And yet, God did it for us. Fast forward just to tell you that when we we bought that house for $86,000 and when we moved here in 2004, we sold it for $186,000. Why? Because God had a bigger plan than just giving us a home. I remember when John Paul Jackson prophesied, uh, you're going to return back to where you came from, but it'll no longer be home, and, I, and the Lord's going to sell your house even before you return. And my logic and my flesh and my mental ascent kicked in and thought, You know, my house ain't for sale. I had five acres. I had a shooting range. I had a shop, 30 by 50 shop. It had a lift in it. You remember that, Todd? You helped me get by the lift. I had a a welder there. I had all the things that really makes a home a home to me. And not only that, I had a swimming pool named Visitation. And I had a hot tub named Ministry. And I love spending time in Visitation and Ministry. Are you hearing me? And yet, God said, your house is going to sell. And we made a phone call home to the young man who was pastoring the church. Didn't mention anything about the prophecy. Just said, you need to know that we know our time's over in Dyersburg. We're going to be moving. Didn't know where. And the first word out of his mouth, he said, well, my wife and I have been praying for a few years that God would bless you with a better house. Can we buy your house? I said, I don't know what I'm going to ask for. He's, this is his words. I'm not boasting. He said, you're the most honest man I know. It, you will make it right. And can I just tell you, I sold it to him for $6,000 less than it appraised for. Are you hearing me? I made it as a blessing to him. And he wouldn't let me off the phone until I said, the house is yours. My house sold on the way home. Listen, don't ever make light of prophetic words. Don't ever believe. Yeah, we've all experienced those flaky words or those words that didn't stand tall or even maybe we've tried to help God make those words come to pass and we've messed them up. But the prophetic is still true. The first thing that he really zeroed, that I want you to zero in, the weapon he chose was fresh. If you're going to be more than a conqueror this next year, you're going to have to use fresh weapons only. You know, if I was going grizzly bear hunting, I wouldn't use ammo from 20 years ago. It might be good ammo. It might fire every time, but I promise you, and you can buy new bullets, new shells that, that misfire, but I'm going to have some new. In fact, my son, Dean Nash, my grandson Logan Nash and I leave Wednesday for Arizona mule deer hunting and I promise you you know Dean and I will be on the on the range tomorrow just getting it brought in just a little bit closer and getting things ready but my point that I want you to catch is we're going to go there with fresh weapons fresh bullets fresh shells you know shells for that I yeah, I've told you this many times I, I'm not just going there to kill a deer. I really want to get one out there somewhere between 750 and a thousand yards, and that's what we're fine tuning for, and what we're doing uh, with that. So the weapon he chose was fresh. Number two, he understood. Listen to this. You got to catch that. The anointing was not in the John book. Listen. Don't ever believe the anointing just in one weapon. It might work this time. It might not work. Y'all got time for a quick story about the bubblegum demon? Some of you will laugh now because you've heard it before. But I was among, in fact, I was in Elson Bennett's dad's church in a place called Kabato, that's in the Navajo Nation, and I was with a pastor from South Haven, and we'd been there for two weeks around the whole reservation, and we'd been casting out devils. And every time we cast out devils, there was a manifestation, and we need the barf bag. I want to kind of keep it nice today. And so we got over to Caboteau, and they had about 150 Navajo in, a, in about a 60 or 75-people room and a big coal stove in the corner. And it was so hot in there that, I mean, you could almost faint it was so hot, and this woman worked her way through the crowd. I mean, the center aisle was full. People were they—they they were standing up, and she worked her way through the center aisle. She was manifesting. And me and this other pastor, some of you in the room uh, will recognize this name. His name is Richard. Y'all figured it out from that. But me and this other pastor, we man, we zeroed in right then. This is a demon, and she came forward, and we began to call every demonic spirit under the sun out of her. And she was turning blue around the gills. And she was not getting better. And all of a sudden, over her shoulder, I saw this Navajo lady. And I want to be gracious, but this lady was very stout. That's a good... Let me bring it down in zero. She was as wide as she was tall. So she was very stout. And she's coming through the crowd, moving very fast. And she comes up behind the lady who is manifesting a demon and hits her just a lot harder than that. And when she did, a piece of bubble gum flew out of her throat. She wasn't demonically manifesting. She was choking on bubblegum. And I suddenly became revitalized by the revelation of, lo, I am with you. Because I felt very low at that moment. My point is this. Don't stereotype God. What might have worked in this past assignment might not. I don't want to completely eliminate it, but it might not work. And so he understood the anointing was not in the jawbone, but he understood, number three, the anointing was up on the jawbone for this assignment. Now, the Scripture doesn't say, but, I, you know, a thousand men... I ain't going to choose without some God inspiration a jawbone. Amen? A slingshot, a spear, a bow and arrow, you know, something else, but I'm not going to choose a jawbone. So I believe we could, we could assume very strongly from God's Word that Samson, Samson had an unction about this jawbone. I believe that he knew God was telling him to go with this. And if he to- is to- was telling him to go with this, then God would place an anointing upon the jawbone. Are you with me? Number four, Samson also understood the purpose of his assignment. I am saddened about the people in the body of Christ that don't understand. They get so focused on the assignment, they miss the purpose of the assignment there was someone asked a question now, I know we're live streaming but someone asked a question someone I know what is your definition of ecclesia and that's a topic that I'm really hot on and so I just wrote a couple of things about it. it's a legislative body assembly of people duh, 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 duh. and this person came back with a comment and said and this was what their definition of ecclesia, a word that theologians use that flips the off switch in people like me who are not churchy. Let me say that. A word that theologians use to flip the off switch in people like me that are not churchy. And so I responded as graciously as a choleric type personality that I am, man can. So so Jesus must have been a theologian. Could he used the word when he said, "I will," be, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Th- that was the word "ecclesia." That wasn't everybody that assembled symbols as a cirkon. It was those that knew how to function in an assembly together to cause the power of agreement to become a weapon and to legislate heaven's will into the earth and. And so finally after quite a few hours a response came back and said I'm not interested in words like that I have a kingdom business and I'm so in other words uh, with it I'm not interested in assembling in order to stir up love and good work I'm not interested in all that and with it I have a listen you can't have a successful kingdom business without functioning at times over that business as the ecclesia with others surrounding you And so it's very heartbreaking when people want to treat the Word of God like Ruby Tuesday's salad bar and choose what they want and what they don't want. But Samson understood the purpose of his assignment. It wasn't just to slay a thousand soldiers. It was to put him in a place that I'm going to bring out as my last point. Number five, he then named the place Jawbone Hill. He didn't do it as just a memorial. He named it as a defining moment. In other words, he could look back and say one day, he used the foolish to confound me, the wise, by using a jawbone. He wasn't trying to glorify the jawbone. He was, he was, he was, he was trying to have a defining moment in his life that he could look back and say, What I didn't think would work because God breathed the resurrection power on it, it worked. What are you going to have to battle this year? Could it be finances? Could it be loneliness? What is there that you are looking for that will cause you to move into that place of provision? The next one, number six, and this is where the meat really begins to come back on the bone, if I can say it that way. He threw the weapon away because he recognized it was only anointed for that assignment. Isn't it amazing how we have an experience of victory and we think God's got to move that way every time? That's the reason I told the bubblegum demon story. We just knew because we had seen at least 20 or 25 manifestation during that two weeks. This had to be a demon. Listen, I used to, you all know this, I used to have on my Facebook page, my job was to get God out of the box. And one day he spoke to me, he said, no, your job is to get people out of the box because no one is big enough to put me in a box. They just put their self in a box. Amen? Amen? They just put their self in a box. I've been going back over the words that... Francine Lovell spoke over us at the dedication. Elson Bennett spoke over us. Rabbi Kurt Landry, they're written out. We've been posting them on Facebook with it. And those at Dutch Sheets spoke over us. I want to get those down into my spirit because I believe they're my fresh jawbone. I believe they're what I'm going to battle this year with. I believe that we're going to see a tremendous thing. You know, right in the midst of everything that's going on uh, with it, just to tell you not taking an offer. But the well goes out at the land up there. I mean, it just, the pump burns up at the bottom of it. And you know what? I'm a pretty wise guy. We took out a home warranty that covers the well, paid extra. But then we get informed that the well company doesn't work with home warranties because they've had such a bad experience. And then we talked to the, the home warranty company, and they said, well, we've got to go through them. But you know what? There's nothing like the providence of the Lord. On the drive back from Nashville on Friday, the home warranty company called me and said, Mr. Nash, we've not been able to find a well company that will work with us. It seems that all the other home warranty companies have such a bad reputation. Did you hear that? All the other that they won't work with anybody. And in these cases, we're going to refund your $75 deductible and we're going to send the check directly to you. And if you can get it done for less, you can keep the money because we apologize. We couldn't find anybody to work with you. So the end of the story is we got the full amount. We're going to get the well done. I assure you it's going to cost two to three times. I don't want to confess that. It's going to cost more than what we got from them but we're going to be able, we're going to pay it when it does I'm not going to camp out there are you hearing me he threw away that weapon because it was only he recognized it was only anointed for that assignment you know it could have been God said hey hold on to this I got 500 more they're going to come over the mountain in a year You know, it could have been that God said that, but he recognized the anointing lifted on that weapon, and he was willing to lay it down. You know what happens when you take a weapon and try to continue to use it when it's no longer anointed by the Lord? It becomes traditions of men that make the word of God of none effect. Uh, Can I just tell you, 2019. We've already entered into the new Jewish year 5779. But if you go with me real quick, see if I'm 2019. Can y'all? If I would have been on top of my game, I'd had it on the screen. Maybe they can put it up or no? They got something up there. I'm not asking to do it, but take this: two plus zero is two, plus one is three. Are you with me? Plus nine is twelve. This is a governmental year. And to, for governmental years, there must be a high level of effectiveness. I don't know if I said this to you, but every one of you, last year we wrote them on cards and we put them out here on the, on the front for a while. And, and I, I would come up here at times and pray over them and pray over. You need to ask God for one word for this next year. My word last year was maturity. You need to ask God for one word you know can I tell you what that one word can turn it it can turn into a book in the Bible it can turn into two scriptures that will turn your life around it can turn into something that will uh, will push you into that place of being more effective all it takes is just one word see everybody wants these big long uh, prophetic words with it I remember years ago Fred Bennett and I were counseling with a minister and I shared with him what the Lord was saying to me, but I didn't put thus. I just shared it. You know, here's what I feel that you should do. This is what, I, you know, I didn't say I'm hearing God say. And when I finished doing that, he put his finger in my face. He said, I don't want your opinion. I want a thus saith the Lord. And Fred Bennett's face became red, and he looked at him right now, and he said, he just gave you a thus saith the Lord. And you couldn't even recognize the voice in the voice. You better recognize it. Thus they the Lord is thrown around and has become the traditions of men in many cases. Are you hearing me? It it's just incredible what we've taken this to. But then the seventh thing that Samson did, he knew unto who God, unto who, and how to call out his appeal to heaven for a fresh reviving. Remember, he said, I'm thirsty. If I don't get some water. See, we've got to know who to go to. Can I just tell you, I started doing this. I haven't, I can't think I've done it with anybody here. But if you come to me and say to me, I need you to come in agreement with me for this. My question to you or my statement going to be, what word are you standing on? And you might say back to me, well, I haven't found a scripture to stand on. What has God said to you? That's a word. I'm standing on some word that God said to me. Amen? He, he prophesied, has prophesied things. To, what are you standing on? Don't begin to second guess. And so people want to get their uh, return to go, uh, collect $200, get out of jail free. But they don't have anything. What are you standing on? See, he knew who to pray to, and he knew how to call out his appeal to heaven for a fresh, reviving water. I want to tell you something. If you're going to pray anything this next year, pray that a fresh outpouring of the Spirit come upon you. Can I tell you, all it's going to take is one person in this room that will catch on fire out of their hunger for God and it can catch everybody in this room and it doesn't mean setting your self apart to be different to be like this or like that it just means you got to burn in the way God wants you to burn you just gotta be you know your passion you know about it you know what 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 stirs a hunger I don't know about you, but I want some services for where God comes in and takes some. Oh, I, I believe there's as much liberty in this house as anywhere you'll find. Whether I'm here or not here, I believe that about it. I think there's an incredible liberty that is here. But can I tell you, we, we've got a hunger for whatever God wants to do. You know, I, I'm going to get real out there, but what, what if next Sunday we come in here and... Matt and him hit one note on the guitar and everybody goes into a trance and floats to the ceiling and we just spend time closer to the Lord at the ceiling for about 45 minutes. What's going to happen when we begin to see some of the things? I mean, you know, I've mentioned this many times. Some of you have read, how many of you read the book Following the Fire uh, by Gerald Durstein It's an old book, but it's still out there on Amazon. You need to read this book, but... God began to visit a Mennonite camp in Strawberry Lake, Minnesota. Fourteen-month-old babies begin to prophesy. Let me tell you, that's not, not normal culture in a Mennonite service. On second thought, it's not normal culture in most churches. Are you hearing me? Things began, in fact, the elders of the Mennonite group Every time the young people would fall out speaking in tongues, the elders would say, drag them off into this room. Don't let anybody, you know, this is the devil. Don't let it happen. And every time they'd drag one out, three more would fall and begin to speak in tongues. But there was a, it began with a hunger in the heart of Gerald Durstine. He was out. He was thrown out of the Mennonite, you know, with that. He, he went through later on in life. They came back and repented to him and accepted the manifestation and I just have to tell you, about five or six years ago, I was in a service, and he's not as young as he once was. He didn't even stand. He was sitting on it, and I went and knelt before him, and I told him about how in eighty-five, I read that book, and it changed my life. And I just asked him, I said, would you lay your hands on me and speak a word of blessing? And I have to tell you, I mean, not in any way to disarm, but he it barely could lift his hands, he was so. But he laid his hand on my head, and he spoke just blessings over me. Had a big guy beside him that was kind of his armor guard. And, you know, with that, But it was a, a very significant moment to me to sit in front of him. The last man who traveled with William Branham went to meet the Lord about three years ago and Brother Durstein spoke at his funeral. Holy Spirit, the water of Holy Spirit. That word in Hakor means well a fountain of one calling aloud. I want to tell you, I've said this for thirty seven years now. You don't have to tell your deepest, darkest moment. You don't have to stand on the street corner and tell your deepest darkest moment the worst sin you've ever committed. You've got to be willing to stand on the street corner and tell your deepest darkest moment. Cry loud. You know, when I read about David, this wretched man that I am, what, whatever that we read, there are things. Are you willing to get on us? If you're going to let the hunger, I believe the hunger's in us. I think it just gets caught up, in, uh, covered up in the busyness. Or how about this? We go to a church, and we have this imagery that how it ought to look and how it ought to function. You know, I, you know, the pastor in this church I spoke about earlier there in Arkansas told me, he said, you came in different from any, you know, they call me an evangelist the whole time I was there. You came in different from any other evangelist. They're a Pentecostal denomination that we've ever had, but said, I believe you brought more life than any other. And, you know, we didn't we didn't really understand your way of ministering. You know, I, you know, I, you instead of having a, a a line at the front to lay hands on people, you just called in the angel of God and turned them loose, and the miracles came. And we've never seen this, and it shifted us in a good way. I, listen, it's not that's that's who I am. Not everybody has to function the same. Not everybody's going to use a jawbone. It could be you're going to use a marble amen it could be that you're going to use a fly water. listen what God anoints works don't let foolishness confound you in the least let me finish up my last point he took hold of the fresh reviving anointing in order to be ready for the next assignment let me just tell you I don't know what is today? The 11th? So there's 19 more days in this month. Would you believe this? Isn't it just like God? And there's 31 in the next month. And what does that add up to? 50. <laughs> and 50 of Jubilee. Never, I, I didn't come here with these notes. I'm just telling you. Like Tommy Baker said, and I've heard Dutch say it you can't make this stuff up. But I believe we've got 50 days ahead of us to get refreshed by Holy Spirit. To get refreshed by Holy Spirit. Somebody got, who's got the recorder? The days of grieving are over for the gift I put in you many years ago. It's bubbling again. And the Lord said, it's not just going to come out as clear, pure water. It's going to come out as a bubbling crude oil. Because this oil is going to burn. It's not going just to refresh. For there's been many days of hardship and disappointments. And that that you coveted into years ago failed. Not because of you, but because of the choices of another one. But the Lord said, look ahead. For ahead, the seas are smooth.'" For you've been hung for a season in the place of the doldrums. There was no wind. There was not much to eat on. It's been a hard place. And your heart has been broken and grief has tried to overtake you. But the Lord said, shake off off the dust of the past. The Lord said, I'm ready to release you weapons. It's time again for you to prophesy. It's time again for you to dream. It's time again for you to find your place in the body of Christ. For you are part of those in this area, says the Lord, that's been like dry bones. But I'm bringing the dry bones together. And I'm putting sinew upon the dry bone, And I'm going to fit these bones together. Because in this area, the army of tomorrow will be made of the dry bones of yesterday, says the Lord. You carry a strong anointing. But it's time for that anointing. It's time not just to find a place you can exist and be tolerated. It's time to find a place of planning so you can be celebrated. For the gift will begin to come forth in a new way. And even as this gift comes, it's going to challenge family. But it's going to bring family out of a place of dryness in the well. Because of you crying aloud shall begin to provide water for them says the lord and i'm going to pull them back to a close place of intimacy with me watch and see says the lord that i bring you to the place for i have my hand upon you and have all your life don't look at the circumstances that have tried to steal your joy but allow me the god that has gone before you and made a way I'm now pulling you back into the highway of Zion so that your heart will prevail and see the breakthrough that is yours, says the Lord. Strong word. He took hold of the fresh, reviving anointing in order to be ready for the new and next assignment. Can I tell you what some of your assignments are going to be? To finish the old assignment. But you're going to finish it with a fresh wind in your sails. I've never been in 37 years of ministry so invigorated. I've never been so ready. Now, let let me be true. I'm not tired in the least. I was ready to be off last weekend. Just being honest, I've given hard. We've not had a weekend off since June. And I was ready for that. But it's not about being tired. It's just about sometimes you got to take a step back so you can focus. And while we, yeah you know, recalibrate, that's the word. Actually reconstitute. Amen? And so we took a, a step back and we enjoyed it and it was good. But I'm ready to go again. And we're going to move into this. I want to close with saying this. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for every one of us. this mantle of reviving will come upon us it's time to have a refreshing Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 said repent and therefore and then it speaks about time listen repentance really is not saying God I'm sorry amen in the process you say God I'm sorry but you take on a new way of thinking. The word repent means to think differently, to reverse your thinking. And you know what? You can repent every day of your life and think the old way. A great prophet years ago spoke this word, wrote it in a song. You need to take on a new way of thinking and a new set of rules. Put your best foot forward and quit listening to fools. That was Bob Dylan. Amen? And it actually, he's got a call to be a prophet. And it was during the time that he had converted to Christianity, and then he left it. You know why he said he left it? Because the church wanted the merchandising. Amen. Are you hearing me? See, we always want to go back to what worked five years ago, or yesterday, or last week, or it's not about what worked in the past. What's going to work in the future? Vicky, we need to plan. I'm hearing that. I heard this yesterday in a phone conversation I had. I heard it again today. I want us to look at the counter and plan three days of prophetic fine-tuning for this next year. I want us to put it far enough out, February, somewhere like that, so we can advertise it, we can get people in. I want to get with you. I want to work this up into a highest level you and I have ever done it with that. I really believe that this is essential for the future. Amen? Heard that. I just want to speak it out. Will you stand to your feet?